Welcome to the Beyond High Performance Podcast, featuring content and conversations from me, Jason Jaggard, along with our elite coaches at Novus Global, their high-performing clients, and the faculty at the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching. On this podcast, you'll hear some of the world's best executive coaches and high-performing leaders, artists, and athletes discuss how they continue to go beyond high performance in their lives and businesses. Had I not put in the reps playing my guitar every night, practicing, doing open mics, you know, that grunt, grit work, that isn't glamorous. That moment when I was asked by Prince to hop on stage to sing a song with him playing, I wouldn't have been ready. Today's episode is from the Meta Performance Show, where I sit down with high performers who continually aspire to go beyond high performance. On this episode, I get to talk with musician, actor, and star of the Amazon show Upload, Andy Allo. Andy was born in Cameroon in Central Africa and moved to the United States when she was just a young teenager. She pursued her dreams of becoming a musician, recording several albums, and eventually rising to become part of the new power generation, the band that toured, recorded, and performed with Prince. In her acting career, she starred in the films Two Hours of Fame and Pitch Perfect 3, and has starred in several television shows, including Chicago Fire, Black Lightning, and then, of course, is the main co-star of the hit Amazon show Upload, season two premiering March 11th, 2022. In this episode, we talk about what brought her family to the U.S., how to work hard and stay agile at the same time, what to do when you're already winning at what you do, and, of course, leadership lessons from Prince. Enjoy the show. Well, I'm here with the one, the only, Andy Allo, and I'm so thrilled. Hi, Andy. Hey, good to see you. <laughs> I love, I do love, maybe this is where we can start. I wasn't planning on asking about this, but you do carry like this ball of joy around <laughs> with you. And I'm curious, is that when you were little, was it that way? Have you cultivated that? Is it both? Where, where does that, that brightness that you emit come from? Oh, wow. Uh, that's a great place to start. That's a great question too. I don't think I've gotten that question before. I think it's just something innate, you know, I, I think I've, I've, I've been gifted with that as a kid. I just, well, it manifested a little bit more as a mischievous kid and, (laughs) (laughs) okay, (laughs) and always just doing things my way. But yeah, I would say that that's something that's just naturally come to me and, and finding a silver linings in, in every situation. Yeah. Well, and you seem, I like that you mentioned the mischievous part because you seem like the kind of person who is aware that they can get away with stuff. (laughs) I'm not claiming that. I'm not going (laughs) to. No? (laughs) That is claiming it though. I feel like the denial is the affirmation. I guess to a certain degree, we all know kind of to what extent we can get away with things. (laughs) Right, Jason? All right. But I think, yeah, it's, you know, knowing our power and knowing, you know, okay, I can use my charm in this way and, but, but being careful. Well, what's that in um, a Spider-Man when the dad says, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. Nailed it. That's and, the saying. You yeah. know, I, I, and I really appreciate you saying that. That's one of my favorite things when I meet people is how aware are they of, of gifts or talents that they have. Because oftentimes if they're not aware of it or they refuse to own it, then they may misuse it. Yeah. It is undeniable. This isn't like a compliment. This is like cold-blooded analysis. Like you are charming and it is a gift. Yeah. And people can use that for all sorts of things. So even like hearing you say, be careful with it. I'm assuming there are really easy ways to misuse that. And then there are really fantastic ways to use that. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's growth, right? That's maturity. And I think uh, as you you learn from your mistakes, your experiences, and you recognize, I'll speak for myself, you know, I recognize, okay, I've been lucky enough to be gifted this ability and have this 
likability or charm or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds, I feel like I'm just going to keep like talking about superheroes, but it's like, I can use it for good or yeah. I can use it for evil. And it's like, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and, and with so much I feel in life, you know, we always have a choice. We have a choice of, do I, do I do something for good or do I do something for evil? Do yeah. I uh, make this choice? You know, there's that duality yeah. For there to be dark, there has to be light. For there to be pain, there has to be joy. And yeah. and being able to balance both and having that awareness in in the decisions that we make. And yeah. Yeah, I love that. Well, I know that's, <laughs> that's wonderful. And like one of the things oftentimes in our world, it's like work what your mama gave you. And so finding like yes. knowing what you have, knowing what you've been given and then unashamedly leaning into that in, a, in an ethical way, I think is really wonderful. Mm-hmm. And speaking of mamas, so let's go back in time. <laughs> So, because you, you you weren't born in the States, you were born somewhere else. Can you tell our audience where you're born? Yeah, I was born in Bamenda, Cameroon, uh, West Africa. Uh, and I moved to the States when I was 13. I want to talk a little bit about the first 13 years. And so you mentioned a little bit that you, you, you always had that kind of that gift, that spark. Probably, my guess is in the industry, people have said you have that it factor, like you, had, you just had that, that thing. And mm-hmm. frankly, not, not everyone has it. And the good news is not everyone needs it in order to be yeah. successful in life. Um, but you had it. Can you talk to us a little bit about what the first 13 years there looked like? And I, I remember even the first time you and I really got to talk, I really loved hearing about your childhood. And I loved hearing about your relationship with your family and some of the adventures that you had in you know, another part of the world. Can you, can you share some of those? Yeah. I, I grew up in, in a time that was much simpler, mm-hmm. you know, and there was such a focus on family, community, on, you know, we always had people visiting, we had family dropping by unannounced. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, that was just, and it was like, we're welcomed. You're, you're welcomed. So yeah. there's always food, there's always enough to go around. And there was never this kind of lack uh, or, or feeling like, you know, there's not enough for me. Mm-hmm. Despite being the youngest of five, <laughs> I think. <laughs> so what was that like? I mean, does that mean... Did you feel like you have... I don't know if you buy into the birth order stuff, but like, do you have like baby characteristics? Are you? Oh, I mean, obviously, you're the entertainer. Are, are the older siblings at all like you? In their own way. I, I'm the only one who's pursued a career in arts, but they're all artistic. And mm-hmm. um, they're poets, they're writers, they're... Um, carpenters they they they're very artistic and creative and my brothers used to play piano and sing in mm. high school so mm. uh, my mom is a, a trained pianist and so we we grew up kind of with that influence and my dad has this huge record collection so we were always listening to music mm. and and just surrounded by this vibrancy my dad and I would go on these road trips and and he'd have that the plug-in compact disc yes. CD where you plug it into the uh, like the cigarette bud lighter thing in the car. Yes, yes. and you have the little tape player, and you plug it into the tape player. Yes, yes. And, and he would play uh, like Fleetwood Mac, and we would just be singing and on these road trips, and it, it really just yeah it harkens back to a simpler time where where it was just about family and and just being being a kid. You know, I played in the dirt. I, I had full on soap operas that I would just put on. What? Like, Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. So it, is there a production process? Would you write these or were they more spontaneous? Like what did that look like? Full. No, it was improv. Just, 
you know, and I, but I would remember the full storyline and I would pick up where I left off by myself. Mm. I would be playing all the characters. Mm. And if we ever had a gathering at some point during the evening, I would go and start dancing and putting on a show. <laughs> always born entertainer. That was something I, I knew I always wanted to do. Yeah. A couple of things about that, even for leaders who are listening to this and parents, I think too, the power of environment to shape somebody is really fascinating to me. Kind of that the paradox of the power of the environment, but also your own volition and you choosing to do something even when the environment is telling you to do something else. I just love that you were born into music. Yeah. And and also culturally, you know, that that wasn't the typical route in the sense mm. of, okay, yes, yes, you can sing, yes, you can entertain, but you know, go do the responsible thing of yeah. being a teacher, a doctor, a lawyer. Mm something that is, you know, assured that you can sustain and, and take care of yourself. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until I moved to America that I realized, okay, this is the land of opportunity. This is mm. where if you set your mind to something, you it will happen. All you have to do is put in the work. Um, now, yeah. It's interesting that you frame it that way. Is that how, is that retroactive? Or are you telling that narrative now looking back? Or did you have that sense when you were 13 years old coming here for the first time? Yeah. Growing up, growing up, that was the, not the mentality, but that, that was just, I guess the programming was, mm. and the messaging was that, okay, America, that's land of opportunity. Mm. And if you've got a dream, if you've got something, that's, that's where it can happen. Yeah. And, and not that it couldn't happen in Cameroon. It's just, it's different, you know, and, and I think the idea of America being this, you know, land of the free, land of the place where you like, okay, anything is possible. So when I, um, when I moved here, it's like, okay, I can, I can actually be an entertainer and mm. a performer for a living. Mm. So then, and you, and you carry that. So you're 13 years old, you're in Sacramento and you're like, I'm going to be an entertainer. Oh yeah. Yeah. I have a time capsule I made when I was 13 mm -hmm. and we had this school project in middle school and <laughs> I wrote out an entire plan by 16. I was going to be on tour. I was going to have an album out. I was going to be performing. <laughs> I had it all figured out. That's incredible. <laughs> I was like recording demos on cassettes for record labels I went all out. I, I really believed, believed that. Now it took a little longer, but, um, <laughs> yeah, it usually does. So hold on. But, yeah. That's really interesting. So first of all, do you still have that time capsule? Yeah. Yeah. It's somewhere at yeah. my mom's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Moms are, moms are good for that. The, yeah. the, when I go home, my bedroom is kind of still a shrine to that season of my life. Listen, I, I know I try to talk my mom into like pulling down like the, all, all my accolades and yes. posters and things like that that she has all over the place. She's yes. like, no, how could yeah. I? And I'm like, oh God. You know what? I kind of, you know, it's a catch 22 because I'm like, do I want them to turn that into an office? Because I kind of, when I go home, it's kind of nice. But anyhow, the, the uh, <laughs> there's a, a couple of things there. One is, and I think, you know, you've been exposed to coaching and you, you're a coach yourself and that's kind of a sliver of your life. There's so many other things that you're up to. But looking back, I think it'd be easy to see how you created a plan like you, you know, whether you want to call it visualizing or you, you, you were dreaming and you wasn't just a dream, but I, I just wonder how many people move to LA and they have a dream or a plan of becoming an artist or, or an actor or a performer and they have like no plan, but you were 13 years old 
and you had a plan. Is that planning nature? Is that is that a part of you? Because you seem like a very free spirit. It's an interesting thing to hear that you came here and you have such just buoyant energy, but yet you still had a plan. Yes, I, I I'm such a planner. Really? I love a I love a plan, and I think that's that's kind of been my um, battle is balancing the two yeah. of like okay, going with the flow, and as much as I have a plan and being able to pivot, and I think that's where um, coaching and my own experiences have really taught me to really be like water. Mm. And, and if you look at like, you know, a river, it, it it's going, it has a plan, like it's got a direction it's going in, but sometimes there's a rock, you know, sometimes there's a log that's fallen. So it's, it's in the way, but what does it do? It just, yeah, we're going to go this way. We're hmm. going to go this way. So it still moves forward. There's forward movement. And, and that's one of the things I love with working with a coach and coaching myself is also that lesson of failing forward. And, and it's not a bad thing to fail. It's not a, it's not bad, you know, about when we make mistakes, it's, yeah. it's great. It's like, no, that's, this is an opportunity. That is a surprise, Andy. I would never have guessed that you were a planner. And I, <laughs> I, by the way, I think that, so one of my favorite leadership quotes is leadership is the art of mastering paradox. And I love that you embody both of those things because I feel like when people quote the water quote, there's a subtext that means no plan. Mm. You know, it's like be water. I think most people who resonate naturally with that quote are like, yeah, be water, just flow. Right. And to your point, no, there's like, you can use the river. By the way, the, there's an ancient Hebrew proverb that says where there's no vision, the people perish. And embedded in the mm. Hebrew language is when it says vision, what it means is bounds of a river or banks of a river. And so that's a really evocative metaphor that you used. And by the way, a, a river, if anyone's ever been whitewater rafting, and you just you were in Egypt recently, weren't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you spent quite a, a bit of time near and in, I believe, rivers. Yes. Yeah. The Nile River. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's powerful. Like the river is, yeah. is powerful and it adapts. Yes. Yeah. You have to you have to adapt. You know, as as humans, one of the incredible qualities we have is the ability to adapt. Hmm. And I think sometimes we, we get stuck, you know, we want to feel comfortable. We don't like feeling, you know, ah, I don't like not knowing what I'm doing or (laughs) the unknown and all this stuff. It's like, um, but, but we do have such a gift, you know, to, to adapt because we, because we're always growing, we're always changing as, as does nature. And, and it's, it's really tapping into that of, okay, how can I adapt in this situation? And, and it's in everything, you know? So I, I think it's important from business to personal to life, all the things. Yeah. The ability to see something and and it, and adapt to it. Yeah. And so let's go back to 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old Andy. So, and, and you, uh, you correct me on the title and I want to make sure I say it right again. It's, it was Aloe in the traffic jam, or is it Andy in the traffic jam? Aloe in the traffic jam. <laughs> Aloe in the traffic jam. That, was your, that was your first band, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. You you have parents. Are they are they a a adversary for this or an advocate in this conversation? Are they supporting you or are they kind of discouraging you away from it? A little bit of both. I think you know there is this element of as parents do and are they worry about your kid, you know actually being able to take care of themselves. (laughs) Yeah. And so this, you know, there's this element of like, okay, you want to do this thing, but 
are, can you pay your bills? Are you going to eat? Are you, or are you going to be asking me for money? Like, (laughs) you know, there, you know, there's, there's other careers that are more secure. And, um, and I think initially I was, I didn't, you know, I was mad at that and I, I wanted them to get it and support me right away. And Mm -hmm. I remember wanting to, to do commercials and modeling while I was in high school. And my mom was like, no, Mm -hmm. no, sorry, not driving Mm -hmm. you to stuff. (laughs) When you're, when you're 18, you can figure it out. Wow. And I just, and I, you know, as a, as a teenager and, especially when you have such a dream, you're like, what, why don't you support me? Um, but it only made me more focused Mm. to know and to know that after all that time, okay, this is something I really want. Yeah. And that was ingrained in me just as a kid too. It's like that, that hard work is, is really, that's the magic. You can have all the talent in the world. You can have all the charm, the, all the, whatever, but you got to have some hard work, something to back it up. Yeah. And and I think you and I both know lots of people who've got charm to spare, but they haven't learned to funnel it into the grit, into the commitment, into the ferocity of that. So then walk us through in terms of... Because then you had your first open mic at the Red Fox. Is that right? Fox and Goose. Fox and Goose. All right. Yeah. Fox and Goose. And (laughs) getting to perform for the first time, what did it feel like? the moments before you went on stage to do your open mic to kind of launch what became this amazing career? I mean, I was terrified. I was so nervous. Um, I hadn't been playing guitar that long and I had only two and a half songs written. Nice. And when I got there, they were like, okay, so you have 15 minutes, three songs. And I was like, I don't have three songs. What am I going to do? And so I like, I went outside and I'm sitting there with my guitar. I'm trying to like finish this song and figure it out. <laughs> I was so, I so nervous. Wow. <laughs> so it's finally my turn. And I, I walk up stay on the stage and I, I play a couple of my two songs and, and I decide to just play the third one and, and just wing it, finish and finish it kind of improvise the rest of it. Um, and that moment of finishing that performance and that set and the instant feedback of people clapping, having a reaction, and then afterwards also just sharing of how much of an impact the songs were to them, how yeah. it hit them emotionally. I was like, oh, okay. I'm hooked. Wow. I, yeah, yeah. It, it was just that the it was the affirmation mm. that i needed that i was on the right path well and that's interesting too because i think a lot of people are artists for different reasons and i think sometimes especially the ones who struggle are artists cuz they it's all about them and they want to just get what they have to say out and I, what i like about your story and by the way sometimes leaders are that way too you know it's about how do i get people to follow me how do i get people to do what i think how do i get people to agree with me how do i create what i want versus how can I serve people and have a positive impact on other people? And I like in that story that you what, what, what resonated so deeply was seeing how people were moved by what you had just done. Absolutely. And, and I think I hadn't thought of it that way, actually. With, and hearing you put it that way makes me realize a, a, a lesson I, I think that's really hit home for me recently is it's so easy for us to get wrapped up in me, 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 hmm. my goals, what I'm, how I'm seeing something and what I want, what I need, like all yeah. of this, right? 
And the second I stop, because because that doesn't change, right? I, I'm going to know what I want and what I need, period. It's I'm in my head. Yeah. But once I step out of self and I make it more about you, well, what do you want? What do you need? Where are you at? Hmm. Because then I get to know how we can, how we, how we can dance. Yeah. And, and then I can know how to empower you. And in a magical way, I end up getting what I want and what I need way more faster than if I was just like, Hey, this is what I want. Let me tell you, you, you did da, 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 da. Yeah. You know? Can you think of an example of that from your career in terms of where you shifted or, or, or even it doesn't have to be a before and after, but anything where you have intentionally sought to serve or have a positive impact in others and it opened up possibilities for you? Hmm, that's a good question. The story that comes to mind is, is one that's has happened over and over again, mm-hmm. which is being on set. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, especially as an actor, you, you've, have that moment where it's, you know, you hurry up and wait. So you're waiting forever. So it's like your time to shine. And they finally say, okay, we're ready for you. And you like go to set and, and all the attention is on you. And, and it's, it's an exercise, especially in this past um, season filming um, season two of, of upload that I got to shadow the director. Hmm. So I got to sit in production meetings. I got to go on location scouts and I got to see every single department really crafting this story. Hmm. And as an actor, you know, like, yeah, there's all these departments. It takes a village to create something and, and bring this idea and show and project to life. But to actually see it happening, it gave me such an appreciation for, oh, yeah, this isn't about me. It has nothing to do with me. I play a part, but so do other people. And their part is just as valuable, if not more than Hmm. my part. Now um, that's interesting. And I love that, uh, the point from that story where you, when you started the story, what came up for me was why I don't, I don't imagine most actors shadow directors. So why did you, Um, I, I found that through my work as an artist, um, I want to tell stories. I, I'm a storyteller. I I've been one as a songwriter, as a, a writer of scripts and a poet. And, and so I was like, you know, I want to learn about the other aspect of telling stories and that's as a director. Hmm. So I, I put in a bold request of can I shadow on this as, as my next kind of level of growth, yeah. you know, or as, as you might call my meta performance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to that point, did it feel like a bold request at the time? I don't want to insert drama where there wasn't because, but you know, did it, was, were you nervous to ask the director for that? Or did you already have a good rapport? Tell me about that because there's, there's so many good things about that. And I think this is one of the reasons why you are in some ways an archetype of meta performance for me and for other people who know you that we, we all know. There is a curiosity about you. There is a, where curiosity meets ambition. Like you're a learner and you, and you, yeah. And you want to you want to you want to know everything in a, in a good yeah. way. What was that like when you asked the director to shadow? I felt pretty confident about it. 
I think also a conversation had been had prior where it was, there was a soft pitch of, Hey, you know, I'm interested in this. Let me gauge if that's like, if the, you know, the water's warm. And, and so to, to then kind of really make the bold ask, I, I felt pretty confident that, okay, it was going to be, it was going to be a yes. But even if, I didn't have an interest in becoming a director and directing. I think there's such value in knowing all the parts to something and it, it helps to remove ego and, you know, to see the value in, an, in what everybody does. Yeah. And yeah. Well, that's convicting too. Cause I wonder, a great question for audience is how well do you understand the nuts and bolts of other people's lives on the teams that you either lead or are part of? And I yep. think most leaders would reflexively say, well, you know, I'm kind of in charge. I see kind of a big picture. I, I kind of get it. My guess is if you were to talk to the people in your organization, you don't get it as well as you think you do. Not in a bad way, just in a, do you really understand what it's like to be the person who reports to the person who reports to the person who works for you? And when you make certain decisions, do you know how that impacts people's lives and how that shapes what they talk about at dinner with their families or you know, those types of things? There's an intimacy that I think that is missing. And I think when you get the tour of the set, it really helps develop your intimacy of the living organism that is the art that's being produced. Yeah. you know, Because at the end of the day, we all want to do our best. Hmm. We all want to feel good about what we do. And sometimes that doesn't really come out the way we think it is yeah. or you know, to my idea of what I think your best is. Yes. Might not be what you think your best is. Well, and when it doesn't go the way that I want, I think my tendency is to assume that people don't want to do their best. Right. And I think that's a that's cynical. <laughs> so I, I think you counterbalancing that by saying, hey, how can you default to believing that everyone's trying to do their best and wants to do their best? And when things aren't in alignment how can we help each other win versus figure out who's wrong or bad or broken or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, there's this great book, um, that I was, uh, referred to by, um, Chris North, um, who's an amazing coach. And it's a book I would say every human needs to read. Really? And it's, it's the anatomy of peace. Yes. And that book radically shifted the way I saw people and, and seeing them uh, not as the enemy, mm-hmm. not as an object, but as a person. And it's so quick how it happens, yes. how easily we switch to you're the enemy, you're not doing your best, you're yep. blah, 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 blah. Yep. And, and we reinforce our belief about whatever's happening. And now they're an object. They're an object of, hey, you're not helping this company. Hey, you're not helping my vision. And I need to remove you. Yeah. As opposed to, hey, you're a person. There's something going on, but and let's talk about it. Let's let's mine it together because we are on the same team. And that's from business to, you know, same personal relationships, everything. Yeah, that's so good, Andy. And you know, I think you're a good model of that even on set, because I think stars is an apropos metaphor because they have a gravitational pull. <laughs> And things revolve around them. Yeah. And I think that it'd be easy, it would be natural to drift into thinking the world revolves around us. 
And by the way, I think stars and leaders are very similar that way. Like, you know, I had to remind myself as a CEO of our company that my jokes aren't as funny as I think they are. People are laughing because I'm in charge. <laughs> you know, and there's just a natural, I, I carry a heft that I'm not aware of yeah. because it's me. And I think, right. right and it's the same. I, is, well, let me ask a question. Is it the same for stars on sets to where they just, you become blind to your own, that you're the 2000 pound gorilla in the room? I think it, you can. Sometimes there's that feeling of responsibility and pressure to, to carry a show or to be the leader on set. And then, and you're in your head because you're like, well, I have to do all these things X, Y, Z in order to set up the, um, the environment or make sure I'm always on point and you're in your, so you're really focused on yourself and, and then, and it cuts you off, you know, because then you're like, I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to. And, um, I think it's that balance, you know, of being aware of, okay. Like going back to the beginning of what we talked about, right. Knowing your power and, but with that, having that responsibility of, okay, I know I I'm leading this show. I have that responsibility to show up differently, but how can I also be an example of I'm, I'm not going to drink my own Kool-Aid. Mm. And I think that's the trap, you, you know, where we start to drink our own Kool-Aid of like, yeah, I'm the, <laughs> you know, whatever, like, ah, like get out of my way. <laughs> Someone go get me a coffee, whatever, you know? And, and again, it's, it's like, whoa, 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 you're, you're a human, <laughs> like relax. And there's other people in the room. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and now that we're on the topic of being the lead, you know, you're the lead of Upload, which is a show on Amazon. Season two comes out in March and yeah. very exciting. So I want to ask some questions about that. But first, we're going to take a quick break for a message that we think will really help our audience. So stay tuned. What if one call could change what you once thought was impossible into a reality? Novus Global is offering you an exploration call with one of their world-class coaches to explore what you as a leader and your team are capable of. Novus Global is an elite executive coaching firm that works with multi-billion dollar companies, professional athletes, nonprofit leaders in faith and government, all to create teams, companies, and communities that go beyond high performance. Book your call right now, just go to novus.global forward slash now. Okay, so I'm leaving out a really big part of your story, uh, which is when you got to collaborate with Prince, one of the greatest artists of all time. We're going yeah. to end the conversation with that. But first, I want to talk about, since we're talking about being on set, I, want, I do want to talk about your acting career. Pull back the curtain and talk to us about how you landed the role because you're the lead. You are the, the person. I mean, it's an ensemble cast and, and everything, but when the poster is and everything, you're the person who's in the middle. And, <laughs> you know, like when I Google you, I'm doing the research. There is, there is you. So talk to us about landing that gig. Talk to us about the evolution of how you got to be the star of uh, a great show on Amazon. Well, I, I have to give credit to Greg Daniels, who really built an amazing cast. And also my co-lead, Robbie Amell, yes. who's just such a joy to work with yes. and play off of. And, and the, the show centers around our story. Um, and I, I got the role kind of in a typical fashion by audition. Yes. And it was, it was one of the most fun auditions I've had. 
we just played mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm re- reliving it a bit. I, I went in there, I had it all planned. And I, I think this is an example of going with the flow. Mm. I, I had a plan. I had broken it down and it was a half hour comedy, you know, it's and it's from the guys who do the office. So I'm like, all right, cool. I got an idea. I'm going to go in and do da, 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 hit the jokes. Um, and I was in there with the casting director. We did it once and she was like, okay, so let's throw all of that out mm. and not don't hit the comedy. Just this is natural. Like they're not looking for like someone who's trying to here's a, you know, put them that whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, were there now were there rim shot jokes in the script that you had memorized? <laughs> no, you were bringing that to it. You were, <laughs> I was, yeah, there were, you know, when you look at a script, if there's certain jokes that are like, Oh, this is where the funny is. Then, then you make sure that that's, you have some, you have some emphasis on it. Okay. It was one of those moments as an actor that, and I think sometimes you can freeze if they give you a direction like that. Mm-hmm. But I was so thrilled because I didn't want to feel so bound by, okay, I've got to hit this joke. I got to make sure it's funny. I just, it was so great just to let it all go. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the joy in playing, hmm. being able to know when to let go of your plan and just really be in the moment. And as an actor, that's, you know, in your training and how we're taught is to have a plan, you know, have a general sense of the story, the script, the scene, what's happening and know what you want to do. But on the day you let it all go and you trust, you trust that it's there and then you just play and then you're here, you're focused on the other person. Um, Anyway, that, that was a sidebar, no, but beautiful. the audition was, it was just really fun. And, and so I got to play. Um, Hold on. Yeah. The sidebar was awesome. <laughs> that's, the, that's the meat of the interview. <laughs> that was really great. And for our listeners, I'm curious because it's almost like you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's almost like you're saying, be so prepared that you don't need to be prepared. And yeah. so you came in and then you can play. What does play look like in an audition? Play is... Um, not overthinking. Hmm. It's trusting that the other person who is the casting director or the producers or the whatever want you to do as good a job as you do. Nice. And, and I'd love, I love the, the, the synergy and how everything's kind of tying in together right now, because it makes me think of again, like, Hey, we're on the same team as opposed to I'm an actor. Please like me. Yeah. Oh my God. Like they're going to hate me. They're da, 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 da. And it's like, actually they want you to win. They want to cast this role. Yeah. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're hoping it's you. So their job is done. Yeah. So they're not the bad guy. Yeah. You know, and that is yeah. such a counterintuitive perspective on casting directors, which if there are any casting directors listening to this, I'm sure will appreciate <laughs> Right. right? Cause like even like you know, yeah. La La Land in La La Land, the enemy of the show are the casting directors, <laughs> you know? Right. Like that's, the, I know they get a bad rap. They get a bad rap. Get a bad rap. <laughs> but I wonder if you walk into the, to your point with anatomy of peace and we'll put the, that book in the show notes. If you walk in preloaded to see people as the enemy, you're going to, you're going to invite that out of them. But if you walk into an audition, seeing them as collaborators, you're going to invite that out of them 
And I, my gut from being just around you a little bit, Andy, is you're whether it's trained or natural, you have a natural way of people feeling like you're you're for them. You know, they're that you're on their team. Mm. And I wonder if that thank you. I wonder if that makes people want to root for you, and if that helps you be more successful than if you were to show up in a diff- with a different way of being. Yeah, I think that's so spot on, and and it's really important because it's 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 what we create. You know, we we are really powerful beings. Mm. So if I'm going into a situation expecting it to be bad, chances are it's going to be bad. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we're mirrors. We're we're true mirrors of each other, and um, so I think there's this. We can play this kind of trick and and game with ourselves and and with others. Where well, if I come into it expecting the best, if I come into it neutral and and not thinking it's going to go horribly, you know, there's a greater chance that it's going to go well. Yeah. And yeah. What's the quote? Uh, we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. Mm-hmm. There are certainly there are limits to that, but I think it is always good for leaders to be thinking, how can I take responsibility for how I'm showing up and what is my way of being? And I think a coaching question, if I were to coach myself in, the, in that, I'd say, what is the desired result you want? And what's the necessary way of being in order to increase the probability of creating that result? And, yes. you know, and I think for you, Andy, when you show up to auditions and things, you've chosen a way of being that increases the probability of not just landing the gig, but creating future collaborators. So speaking of collaboration, you had the opportunity to work with Prince. How, how did you and Prince even get on each other's radars? Can you walk us through? We're going... Now we're t- Quentin Tarantinoing this. We're going back in time. You're an artist. You had your first album <laughs> come out. You're, you're touring. You're performing. How, how did the connection between you and Prince happen? It was one of those... like universe weird Mm. things cycle things um when i put my first album out it got featured on the africa channel and which is this african network that featured african programming and african artists and they had a show on their network that featured um uh, singer songwriters from africa or and uh or who from from there Mm -hmm. and they featured my first album so cut to what I think two years or a year later, maybe not even they were working with Prince and I randomly get a phone call from them and they're like, Hey, we're working with Prince now. We love you and we love him. Hmm. And we think maybe there's some synergy. We want to try to connect you to. So, (laughs) you know, you think like, I'm sorry, what, what, but there is, there is, and I never want to take out like the divine or the mystical or the, you know, whatever language we want to wrap around it. And at the same time, if I'm deconstructing the mechanics of that, had you not put out the albums, had you not bet on yourself, had you not gotten your voice out there, had you not, you know, had your stuff featured on that particular television station. And my guess is that that network isn't like, you know, it's not like necessarily BET. It's not like ABC or C, like it wasn't like this massive thing, you're just creating your work and they were wanting it. And so, okay, you probably didn't necessarily think much was going to come from it. You're just getting your voice yeah. out there. And yeah. I think that's I think that's the thing is people always are looking for the connection to the superstar, but they don't realize that the connection is just shipping your stuff, getting it out there and then hoping and then w- waiting for someone to see it as you incrementally get better. Absolutely. Yeah. It's focusing more on the work and less about the result. Yeah. And I think that's 
that's that little shift, you know, as much as we plan, as much as I have the vision and I see where I'm going, you know, that 10 out of 10 vision for myself, being able to step back and say, all right, I still got to take a step. I still got to put one foot in front of the other and trust that it might not happen the way I've envisioned it. It might take a detour here and there, but trusting that I'm eventually going to get there. But what I do today, the work that I put out today is, is only getting me closer. It's not, it's not taking me further away. And, and I think so often we, we want that result right away. And you're getting your reps in. Okay. So they call and say, Hey, we want to introduce you to Prince, you know, like what happens. And then was, I'm imagining with someone like him, there are uh, like chemistry is important. He can work with whoever he wants. Talk to us about that first meeting. Did you have to learn each other as collaborators or did it even start as a collaboration or did it talk to us about that? Well, I got invited to the after party and you know, his famous after parties where he'd be putting on a show with the band huh. till six in the morning. Wow. And we started chatting. I They had given him my first album. So he played it on the wow. speakers, house speakers. Wow. Um, and so we started just chatting and he he's such a jokester, you know, so <laughs> we started making jokes about each other. And, and I think because I didn't grow up listening to Prince, like I, I knew... I knew who he was. I knew what he had done for music, but there wasn't this like um, fan kind of thing or awe where I was like, it was just like, Hey man, you're really cool. And like, you've done a bunch of stuff. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like, like, all right. Um, But so I was able to joke around with him and maybe a lot of people didn't do that with him um, unless they really, really knew him. And, and I'm, I can't, I made a joke and, I just remember him like stomping off and then I got scared and I was like, Oh no, I've told, I pissed off Prince, you know? <laughs> um, and then he came back and I was like, Oh, oh, yeah. oh you so got me. Oh, anyway, he fun. asked me to sing a song on stage at the after party at the after party. So this is all at the after party. And, um, something you said about putting in, in the reps, um, is so true about this because had I not put in the reps, playing my guitar every night, practicing, writing my own songs, putting out my album, doing open mics, you know, that grunt grit work that isn't glamorous. That moment when I was asked by Prince to hop on stage at a after party at four in the morning to sing a song with him playing, I wouldn't have been ready. You know, it's that, that age old saying, you know, opportunity meets preparedness. That's what luck is. And I, that was the opportunity. I was prepared because I'd been putting in the reps and that was it. You know, I was just started jamming together a few weeks later. He asked if I would join the band, if I would go on tour and it was like, what is happening? It was just this whirlwind and and that was it. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, and so a question for our audience, and this is a good question for me and for you, I suppose is your answer is I suppose directing, but like, what's the, what's the next level video game thing that you need to be putting the reps in for? so that you can get lucky later. You know, and I think mm-hmm. everyone should have that thing that's saying, okay, where, what, what reps am I putting in right now? Where is the preparation that's going to meet the opportunity? And if you don't have an answer to that, of course you can get like Slumdog Millionaire Lucky where he didn't realize what was happening to his life as things unfolded. And that's always nice. Uh, yeah. But I do like inviting people into a higher degree of intentionality. Yes. Now, 
you are you've connected, you are touring, but you collaborated on several songs. You you sing backup, but you also sing co-vocals on a few songs, I believe. Could you talk a little bit about what you learned from his creative process or what was he like as a leader, even with the band and the team and the production companies? Any kind of leadership lessons you gained from him I'd be really interested in. Well, he was someone that had this incredible standard hmm. for his work and and also being a band leader there was this ability to know how everyone fit together hmm. there's so many lessons but so one of the lessons i learned in in band leading and in having multiple people playing is where is the silence hmm. and and it was if everybody's playing or trying to shine and do a solo at the same time, you're not going to hear anybody. It's going to sound like trash mm. because everybody's trying to do their own thing as opposed to what's the best thing for the song. What's in service of the song. Mm. And sometimes you got to be quiet. Huh. <laughs> sometimes it's not your moment and that's okay because it's this person's moment. Or it's just silence and we get to enjoy and see what's happening. So he had this really beautiful way of allowing people to shine when it's their moment to shine. And they could, they could really shine because everybody else was there in service of them. And so, and I think that applies in a in multitude of ways. Yeah. Again, it's a paradox of Maybe it's not a paradox, but it is like the, I suppose, as a, so I'm thinking as you're telling that story, because I want, I want to apl apply Prince leadership lessons to me, like in terms of who whose turn is it to shine? And is everyone getting behind that person to help them shine, trusting that? And I would imagine, did Prince, did you ever sense Prince have a feel for making sure everyone kind of got a turn? Was it democratic that way? Or was it just purely about the song? Or did you ever sense, okay, and not that this is we got a world-class basis here. We're going to let you show off here in a second. Was, did you sense him do that? Absolutely. Yeah. It was, it was knowing like, okay, I have the best musicians with me and you'll have your moment. And when you have it, one, don't mess up. <laughs> oh, yeah. So there was that, that was that pressure. Um, <laughs> you can't mess up. But something that came to mind too, and I think this is beneficial to, to our listeners and to everyone really is that after every concert, we would sit down and rewatch the show. Really? And, and it wasn't to feel bad, even though sometimes you did, but, hmm. but it was to see where you could get better. And I know athletes do this too, but I hadn't experienced that as a musician. And, and that's something I've carried and it has supported me in my ability of like, I always want to keep learning and seeing all the parts because, yeah. and seeing where, you know what, that wasn't my best or, Hey, you know what? I can't, I'm doing this thing. Hmm. I think that's getting in the way or I don't quite like that. Or Hey, next time I'm going to try this because I'm, I'm having a crutch now. I'm seeing where I'm maybe leaning on that a little too much. And, and it allows for self-reflection and, and this, awareness and commitment to, to growth. The growth. Yeah. That's profound. What was it like? Can you give us a little bit of the anatomy? Is it, is it just the musicians? Is it the musicians plus the production team? Who's in that meeting when you're watching the tape? It was the musicians, uh, Prince, 
and mm-hmm. the like the the top like the production people person who was gonna in charge of all like the production aspect of things. Was there any instruction? Was there any not to get so tactical, but like was there any instructions ahead of time? Did Prince set it up? Would he like would he was he the master of ceremonies? Was someone else in charge? Did people have notepads? Did you would they pause and stop and say or like how how did that work? He was in charge. So he would pause it or he wouldn't or he'd fast forward because he mm-hmm. he was a genius in this way. So where he knew where the mistakes had happened mm-hmm. <laughs> after like yeah. a three hour show. <laughs> he like knew he's like okay, there's this thing that happened on this song and let's go watch it. Um, mm. So you can see what you did. <laughs> and so you don't do that again yeah. or do that better. And, or if there was an idea, you know, of like, Ooh, we did this thing here. I don't think it plays. Let's do this differently. And we'll practice it at, you know, at rehearsal the next day or, or at sound check the next day. But he had the remote. So he would, he would pause it, stop it. And, and then you, as you would watch and, you know, I, I, at first I dreaded them because I was like, Oh yeah. God, like, <laughs> no, yeah. I don't want anyone to see like me at not at my best, but it, it really taught me to, to keep growing and, and to see it of like, Oh yeah, I didn't like that either. And, and to actually see it. If there's a difference of like knowing it and just in my head being like, yeah, I messed up on that part, whatever. But to really see it in, in like happening. Yeah. Well, and that there's a brilliance there to not just, cause I think oftentimes we know things we wish we would have done differently, but then actually slowing down, capturing it, let it sink into our bones and then let it affect how we do it differently. The next time are two totally different things. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's being a surgeon, you know, yeah. with, That's with cute. your craft and, and with your work and, and really getting into the nitty gritty as opposed to flying above and just being like a general, yeah. Okay. Hey, let's, something happened there. There was a mess up. Uh, you, you know what you did. Great. You, you fix it. And it's like, hold on, let's get in there. Let's get yeah nuts and bolts. And that's how you really ensure that we're, we're improving here. We're on a team together. Did you feel the band get better over time? I mean, they were world-class musicians. So yeah, they were, they were masters at their, their craft and to be surrounded with them at that level. It it just, I was inspired constantly. And so it it really taught me to always, always want to, you know, level up. And Prince was the epitome of meta performance. Well, that's what I was curious about. And I don't want to put him on the spot because he's, you know, he can't defend himself, but uh, (laughs) did he, he, would he be hard on himself? Would he come in and say, I messed up here or, or, or was he so, or did he not make mistakes? Was there ever a moment when he called himself out? Hmm. If he made a mistake, he was such a master. You think he did it naturally or that he meant to do it that way. Uh Um, and he would call himself out where he was good at being able to laugh at himself as as much as he held us to a high standard, he held himself to an even higher standard. And I mean, that was evident by just the work that he, he did. And, and I learned a lot uh, of just what it means to be an artist and a creator uh, from him. Yeah, well, and I'm I'm grateful for your experience with him because I see it 
the fingerprints and the evolution on what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. I would love to ask you just as a wrap up, what's next for you? Where are you headed? I'm really excited with my expansion into directing. Yeah. And so last year I wrote and directed a short film called Alice and that's being submitted to festivals right now. So hopefully nice. that does well. Yeah. And putting in the reps as a director and continuing to shadow taking um, different courses here and there and learning from the greats. So that's something I'm really, really excited about. And I'm working on a new album. So lots of, lots of things in, in the, uh, in the works. Lots of irons in the fire and just reps all around. Yeah. Obviously you're on the socials. Where can everyone find you if they want to pay attention to what you're up to? Um, You can find me on everything and it's just, it's my name, Andy Allo. So all, all the things. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All the things, Instagram, the TikToks, the Twitters, the Facebooks, the yep. MySpace, the Spotify. I, I, left, you can to <laughs> I left MySpace behind, but... <laughs> you did. You're not friends with Tom anymore? Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then... You know what? I probably have my profile somewhere. I do. My salon, I, you go and you look and it's like, oh, wow, that's an interesting season of my life. It brings back all the feels. It's wild. Andy, thank you so much for being on the show. I just love talking with you and you're such a gift and I'm so excited for... You're, you're young, so I'm excited for the rest of your career. Um, but if the past is an indicator of the future, I'm going to be excited when we watch you win the, the, the Emmys and the, the Golden Globes and the, uh, the Academy Awards for all the best things. Thank you. I love it. I'm putting it, yeah, no. putting it out there in the universe. <laughs> doing it. All right. Thanks, Andy. Thank you so much. All right. We have a few more things to let you know about before you go. First, podcast reviews really help us serve more people. So if this podcast is helpful for you, we'd love your help to get it into the hands of as many leaders as possible. Please leave us a review, even if it's not five stars. And if you really want to go the extra mile, let us know what you'd like to hear about more of or what you think we could do better to serve you and the people that you care about. We drop new episodes every week. So subscribe and watch us continue to learn to create resources that serve you powerfully. Speaking of resources, we have a lot online and they're all free. We have free assessments, educational videos, articles from sources like Fast Company written by our coaches and clients, all designed to help you use our tools in your everyday life and leadership. To dive into the free treasure trove of goodies we have for you, go to novus.global and then click on resources. Some of you have been listening for a while and you haven't yet taken that next step to hire a coach. This is your time. I can't tell you how often I've heard from hundreds of clients around the world that they wish they would have talked to us sooner. If you have a sense that you're capable of more, we would be thrilled to explore what coaching could do for you and those you influence. To start that journey, simply email us at begin at novus.global or click the link in the show notes. You also might be listening to this and maybe you want to be a coach or maybe you already are a coach and you want to build a six or seven figure practice coaching people you love in a way that brings life to you and your clients. Well, that's why we created the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching. It is an in-depth coaching apprenticeship designed to help you create the coaching practice of your dreams. The first step in exploring that is simple. Just go to www.mp.institute. That's www.mp, as in metaperformance.institute. And we have free assessments to help you see what kind of training you'd need to create a meta-performing coaching practice the way our coaches do at Novus Global. Head on over today. And finally, and for some of you, this will be the most important part. This podcast was produced by Rainbow Creative with Matthew Jones as senior producer and Jeremy Davidson as editor and audio engineer. We love working with these guys. To find out more about how to create a podcast for you and your business, check them out at rainbowcreative.co. Thank you so much for listening. We love making these for you. And remember, dare to go beyond high performance.
One final, final thing. This is our season finale, actually, and we'll be back to you in a few weeks. We want to retool some things, go back to the drawing board, and be back better than ever. In the meantime, peruse our other 50-plus episodes to find topics and content that resonate with you on your particular meta-performance journey. Thanks for listening.